Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This is The View from the Gladys Street, a podcast by the fans for the fans, as we go on the terraces to discuss all the big talking points at Everton Football Club. Hello and welcome to The View from the Gladys Street Everton FC Fans Podcast. I'm your standing host, Paul Wheelock, Why Ian Kroll is having a couple of days off. Uh, I'm delighted to be joined by one of our regulars, Tom Clark. Yeah, right. how's it going? Uh, good, mate. And we're also joined by, uh, after a man of the match performance on his debut last month, Anthony McKellen. Hello, mate. Okay. Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, mate. Uh, Anthony and Tom will be joining us tonight to, to look back on Saturday's nil-nil draw with Crystal Palace, the future of the forward line, an area of massive improvements under Marco Silva, Friday's visit of Burnley, and whether it will be the last time we see two or maybe three key players at Goodison Park. But we'll start by looking back on that draw at Crystal Palace. Tom, Ants, what did you make of it? Well, um, I wasn't able to make it myself. Obviously, I was covering uh, Marine, so I wasn't able to watch Everton. But from Bad day, that was a worse day, wasn't yeah, it? <laughs> even worse one, yeah, getting relegated, obviously. But for Everton as well, it was frustrating, it looked like. It looked like we had, I think it was 22 shots, three on target. And that just pretty much sums up Everton at the moment in terms of the forward line and what we're lacking. Uh, we thought maybe a couple of times this season that we've got that in Calvert-Lewin. But as a long-term thing, obviously he's, he's there as long-term, but like... He's not good enough at the moment, so I think it, it, it's pretty obvious that what we need at the moment from that game, but it was unfortunate we didn't get that win because obviously it pulls us away from the European places. To be honest, I was hoping that we would get the, the full three points and continue this push for seventh, and uh, you know, if we can sneak in the back door of getting into Europe, looking at it that way, again, as you say, our feelings have you know, come to the fore in the fact of us just being clinical in front of goal, you know, whether that falls on, you know, 22-year-old that is Dominic Calvert-Lewin, I, I don't know. You know, you look to the bench and it, you would like to hope Walcott could come on and change change that type of game. But from the season he's had, he's not there to be called upon. Uh, same with Cenk Tosson. So I, I think it does bring up definitely the debate of, yeah, key areas we're going to talk later in the show. <clears throat> the key area is probably, for me, the forward line being strengthened and not really at resting on all on Dominic Calvert-Lewin's shoulders. I think he's a fantastic player. I think he's a fantastic prospect. Um, from the under-21s World Cup when they won it, absolutely brilliant. Everybody was raving about Solanke. I would say Dominic Calvert-Lewin's come out with the best reputation and it is, is, yeah. is built on it from there. So I would like to see him, yes, definitely become a key member of the squad. Uh, first team, definitely. It's good to see him have his chance at the moment, which we spoke about last time I was on. Glad that he's had his chance, but it, it is something that's lacking for us at the moment and it is costing us valuable points. Let's have that debate then while we're on it. You know, Calvert-Lewin, I, I had it with Ian Kroll, our usual host of this podcast uh, a couple of weeks. We did like a video, a bit of a debate about it. And I was playing devil's advocate a bit because like you, Hans, I'm a, a big fan of Calvert-Lewin. And I thought, you know, rather than blowing all our money on a, not a big name striker, but say like the sizable chunk of the budget we've got on a striker, wouldn't it be best to maybe bring in another player who can play across the, the front line and add 10, 12 goals? So add to like the 10, 12, 15 goals which Charleston and Sigerson's have got. But that was probably after the Arsenal game when, you know, Calvert's living stock was so high. As the last couple of weeks 
convinced you say Tom like Ant saying there that you know if if we have to sign one player this summer it's a striker yeah to be honest I think it's been um, obviously everyone was saying that we need to replace Lukaku when we haven't yet done that um, there was debates over whether we'd done that already in some fo- shape or form early in the season it was Richarlison up top now it's Calvert-Lewin hitting some form but I do think it, we just need someone we we, st- we just need, need someone up front I, I think it's too much pressure on Calvert-Lewin's shoulders to make him the, the main man already uh, for the long term and I do think he needs someone to learn from someone to play with someone to play off some competition for him as well for a young lad he's 22 years, years old and if we're going to push for Europe we can't push all our weight on a 22 year old up front so um, we do need someone a little bit older for him to learn from and bounce off and uh, work together maybe if, if not play together then just uh, provide some competition to be honest because at the moment he's just not scoring goals and you were a striker in your playing days on Everson's books as a kid. I, I don't mean to be harsh with Calvert-Lewin here, but is he ever going to be a goal scorer? You can see he's a great leader of the line. You know, he gives it his absolute all. But even in those wins against Arsenal and Manchester United, which was so convincing, I can't remember him having too many chances. I, I think he's possibly um, the role that he's played since he's broke into the team, I think probably uh, Big Dunk has probably had a lot of influence on that way. Um, is he maybe going down a sim- similar route to Ferguson? Ferguson, you know, was not a, a a massive goal scorer, but he's an Everton legend that we all look to. However, he would score that one goal that would win a game, you know, from a, a set piece or a ball into the box. He will bulldoze somebody over to get that. You can see that potential, I think, within Calvert-Lewin. I think some of the link-up play that I've witnessed over the last few weeks um, of his running the team and that and stuff, although he's not been getting into the right positions, he's been helping others get into the right positions and, uh, and making the, the right runs. He's 22, so age is on his side to still work, develop the the finishing touches as it is for his finishing, uh, the way that I see it. Um, going back to what Tom's just saying around and said, though, he's got no competition. Um, <clears throat> he knows that Silva's got no faith in Tosson. He'll throw him on for 15 minutes in a desperate bid, but he's not got faith in that he's going to go on and score the goal that will win the game, even though he was unlucky with the great effort that he had there on Saturday, to be honest. And I, I would have been made up for him to have got that and maybe him a bit of a confidence boost and that stuff. Also possibly push up his price if we need yeah. him. So yeah, it's a palace maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so you look at things, you know, in that way pushes stock up. But Calvert-Lewin, I've definitely, definitely say I'm, I'm a fan of his. I really do think the application, the effort, the determination that he has, I would love to see it rewarded in, you know, uh, running the team, which he's getting at, at the moment, not just for the rest of this season, hopefully beyond next season. He's got pre-season, he can go back, carry on working with, uh, you know, Big Dunk, the other forward coaches that, that, that are at the club that he works with, um, carry on what he's doing there and, you know, the finishing, the, the, the finishing really, just, just just carry on trying to work on it, 22, so he, he's got time in my opinion. Agree with that, you know, it's the, let's play devil, uh, play speculation game a bit here, you know, is there any kind of strikers, Tom, you'd like to see us, see us sign? I know we could all say Griezmann, <laughs> we could all say, you know, Messi, whoever, but realistically, is there any kind of players you think, you know, I'd, I'd like Everton, have a look at him? Uh, there's been a few ma- names mentioned already, but the one I like is uh, Madhubi Morega, who's at Porto at the moment, and uh, he, he was brought up a couple, of, couple, of, couple of weeks ago, I think, and he played quite well against Liverpool in the Champions League, and he's done quite well over there this season as well. There's been a few 
you mentioned in terms of um, even ones over in England. Um, Shea Adams has been mentioned from Birmingham. But for me, it would be uh, Marega, to be honest. I think he's a strong striker. He could he could lead our line well. And he's fast as well. So he could do he, he pretty much exactly what we need if we can get him off pause. So obviously, they've been getting Champions League football and we're not even getting Europa League here by the looks of it. So uh, whether we can actually get him is a, is a different matter, really. But he's the one I'd go for, to be honest. And to anyone off the top of your head, are you thinking about... There was the one that we spoke about, wasn't there? Um, I asked whether or not you, you'd actually heard anything on it. The Uruguayan, um, who's playing in Spain at Betis. Oh, yes, and I remember the name. You're just checking them out now, aren't you, at the moment? But do you think, <clears throat> why you do that, mate? Do you think, is that the exciting part on the, on the brands? Like, the fact that he's probably going to go for some new names, isn't he? Like, almost like he did last last summer. I imagine a lot of the signings he made, we weren't expecting, were we? Yeah, obviously he's signed some pretty quality players last year. Everyone we brought in last year has proved to be brilliant here after the horrendous uh, incomings of the previous year. Obviously it was a refreshing um, breath of fresh air, really, to be honest. But uh, I think we all trust him massively to bring in talents because he's brought through talent uh, in his previous clubs and he's got a good eye and we've got a new sc- uh, scouting system and it looks like we're on, on the right track, really, to bring in good players. So, And with it being a striker, obviously, it's obviously more exciting as well. Um, with it be, it's bringing, bringing in a striker and I think he will uh, have an eye for a good one. So we're all excited this, show, this summer because he's built it up himself, to be, to be honest. He said we weren't going to buy anyone in January because it was going to be a big summer. We started to talk about this debate a bit earlier and, and Tom mentioned Lukaku, like, and you can see him in the press, hasn't he? You know, I don't know if you've seen him today kind of thing and he's talking about like, oh, I don't know whether I'll be here next year. You know, I've always liked to play in Serie A. And Everton, in a weird way, better off without that kind of circus that came with Lukaku year in and year out. And I know it's easier now with the benefit of hindsight now that he's not playing well. You kind of think, oh, do you miss him? But just all that, like you look at him, you want players committed, don't you? Definitely. Um, we miss his goals, but... I think um, as Manchester United are finding out, he's not a big game player. He'd never turned up or very rarely turned up for us when we played top four, top six sides, however you want to call it. I don't think his goal scoring record against the top top four, top six with United is much improved in any way at all. Um, I don't think he had much of a kick up against Barcelona. So <clears throat> I think Lukaku is very much hype. Um, yeah. He's going to score four against Bournemouth for you and someone in the lower leagues to get uh, in the lower etches of the league and everything um, to, to get those 20 odd goals that he was getting a season for us. But crucial goals, no. And I think United have found that out with him. And I, I don't think United would be sorry to see him go. And wherever he goes, I think he'll still have the same problem. I miss him in a way, of course, yeah, because we never replaced him and we've suffered. We didn't have anybody holding the ball up, you know, for. The however many percentage of games you want to say he actually performed them, but it was a massive difference. And on Saturday, if we'd have had Lukaku, we could have possibly won 1-0, do you know what I mean? Or more than that because of his presence up there, is getting us a goal. He can finish better than Calvert-Lewin can at the moment and that he's far more progressed. Yeah, I don't think Lukaku's coming back to Goodison Park anytime soon. I think his reception he got a couple of weeks ago <laughs> said there's no love lost there. No. So we've been talking about the, the lack of cutting edge and that maybe a deficiency in the state force. Let's talk about a positive. Seventh clean sheet in nine games for Everton on Saturday. And uh, Adam Jones from the Echo Air reported today that there's only actually three teams in the Premier League, Liverpool, City and Chelsea, who've kept more clean sheets in, in this, this season in the league. Start with you, Tom. Does that surprise you? Um, yeah, to be honest, um, considering... 
the inconsistency we've had, to be honest, as well. We haven't played with solid back four all the way through the season in terms of personnel. We've uh, switched it about a little bit. Sometimes Jagielka's has come in, Yeri Mean has come in, um, Seamus Coleman played out of form. So we played John Joe Kenny for a little bit in there as well. So it's been a little bit uh, changed around, but it's, it's, it's stayed consistent nonetheless. And um, obviously Jordan Pickford hasn't even had the best campaign of his life as well. So it has been a bit of a surprise, to be honest. I think a major factor in that is Luca Dean, obviously uh, absolutely quality left back who's come in uh, straight away and started playing at the top of his game. But it's not just a defence, in my opinion. I think um, in a lot of the games we played this season, we haven't done it all the time, but the high press in terms of uh, defending from the front as well. Um, is what's, what's done for us really because I've seen us keep clean sheets this season in the, the last few weeks to be honest um, and the defence haven't even had to do much because the press has come from um, even up front and midfield with the attacking, attacking three um, so I think that's where it's coming from to be honest as well as defence as, as good as the defence have been obviously uh, Zuma and Keane have formed a good partnerships but I do think it's from favour up the pitch to be honest so I'm impressed uh, pleasantly surprised yeah Makes a difference defending from the front. I definitely agree with that in teams that are played in. Um, if you can get that and you can get that right, it does take the pressure off the defence. Um, the last time I was on the podcast, we were talking about should we drop Jordan Pickford? You know what I mean? Yeah, there's I think it was after the Newcastle game, yeah, wasn't it? There's definitely no mention of that since then. As you say, we've had a crack and run of clean sheets since then. Um, stability of the back line, although Coleman, yeah, he wasn't performing well. Brought Kenny in. Coleman's back in, captain in the team, Zuma and Keem, you know, seem to be getting better and better as a partnership the more and more we've got into the season. We're probably at a point where we don't really want the season to end. We're just sort of kicking on into our, our best kind of form. Could do with a bit of a transfer window, maybe to buy that striker that we were talking about, <laughs> yeah. but we're in the right stages at the moment. Everything seems to be working well. Definitely agree with Tom's point on Lucas Dinia. You know, fantastic left-back has been... Everton's player of the season from my point of view um, without a doubt um, again we spoke about it but Bernard seems to be creating a nice little partnership as well down that left hand side and when you've got things like that going for you <clears throat> pressing from the front then becomes easy and it takes the pressure off and they seem to be working very very hard the fitness levels seem to be right up there and Saturday's stats, one of the ones that we didn't say 64% of possession that we yeah. had there we did dominate the ball as well Unfortunately, didn't convert it into into goals uh, to, to go on and win the game. But the, the the rest of the performance overall was very very positive. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I know I certainly felt that before his appointment, and and definitely during periods in the season when we seem to concede from every kind of free kick or corner that came against Simply. us. You know, there were questions over Marco Silva about how he'd set up his side to to make sure that he was secure defensively. Tom, to, 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 you were spot on there, mate. It's not just about the defence, it's about the press. But he seems to have answered those questions now, doesn't he, Silver? There's no one saying, this is a manager you can't defend. Yeah, definitely. Even before he came in, a lot of people were saying, when we were on the lookout for a manager, people were saying, well, Marco Silva's strong in attack, but he's not that good at defence. And um, he's, he's came in, he's, at the latter part of the season anyway, he's proved everyone wrong, really, in terms of he has kept clean sheets for us and the system is working. And it did take a while for zonal marking to happen and for people to get that the hang of it really and probably longer than it should have, been, should have done but it, it does seem to be drilled into them and they are getting the hang of it now and it, it has took the best part of the season and we have conceded some stupid goals because of it but I think we're finally getting the hang of it and obviously it was it was always going to take time with Marco Silva and I think that was probably one of the aspects that was we were most impatient with to be honest because it was just stupid we were losing games because of it, because of it. I'd love to see how many points we've lost because of it because it was just every single game and that's what everyone was targeting against us. Even the lower sides were targeting set pieces against us. But it seems like now we seem to be getting the hang of zonal marking. So 
finally things are on the right path and uh, Marco Silva's proven everyone wrong. And we'll come back to a uh, play we've, we've touched on already here, you know, because Sam Carroll, uh, one of my colleagues here, was, as a, he was at Sellers Park, I should say, on Saturday for the Echo alongside Phil Kirkbride and he picked out Kurt Zuma for his man of the match. You know, have you been really impressed by him as the, as the season's gone on? Kurt Zuma, definitely. Uh, <clears throat> he's established himself into that back line. He's probably, you know, for the, the central defensive partnerships playing, he's probably the first name on the team sheet as far as Silver's concerned and every Ever- Ever- Evertonian right now. Um, he's been very consistent uh, of recent. I think he's built up a fantastic understanding and relationship with Michael Keane. And I think that's sort of, you know, we had Pickford in the spotlight and I think Pickford, we were saying, was nervous of what was in front of him. And I think Zuma's presence in there has calmed that down and you've seen a calmer Jordan Pickford. And we, we, we now, those mistakes that we've been talking about, you know, set pieces, the zonal mark and this, that and the other, it seems to be disappearing from our performances. And that definitely, in my eyes, is a, is a big plus point from the last last four to six weeks of our season so far. Tom, if you had to pick one, who's had the better season? Keane or Zuma? Oh, I think in terms of most improved, it's got to be Michael Keane because we've seen him alongside Ashley Williams last year and he was he was pretty dreadful at times. People were saying he turns like a cruise ship, he's a bit slow. <laughs> but in the air, you can't beat him in the air. He's, he's really solid in the air, Michael Keane. Um, and he's, he's turning into that centre-back that he was so promised to do with Man- Manchester United. Obviously, we saw he had good pedigree and we expected him to turn into a good defender, but sometimes he looked a bit clueless last year, but now he's coming to his own. Uh, if it was cho- to choose between the two, though, to be honest, I'd probably go with Kertuma because of his pace. I think for a centre-back, he's ridiculously fast. He, um, he's, he's good in the air as well, as as, um, as Michael Keane is as well, but for, for his pace purely and his, um, and his just ability to recover. And yeah, I, I just think... Kurt Zuma for me, yeah, definitely. We've got right. to keep hold of him. His physique, I'd say as well on Zuma that I missed off there, his physique as well. He can bully opposition forwards. Well, he did that against the hard and yeah. Saturday stood up to him. Yeah, uh, and, and I think that's a, a key thing. Sometimes you need <clears throat> that person in there who you're going to turn around and go, right, he's doing it, I'm going to crack on doing it. Definitely, you know, so used to it, obviously big fans. I'm a big fan. Seamus Coleman sounds a big fan. He was saying after the game, like, you know, when are you going to sign Kurt and all the all the dressing room is supposedly going on his back. So everyone wants him to stay. I'm sure Brands and Silver want him to stay. But obviously there's this problem with Chelsea and a potential transfer ban. Having seen him now, do we have to get this deal done no matter what it takes this summer? Yeah, obviously we've got Yeri Meenan in there as well um, and he hasn't got much playing time this season considering he's signed on a permanent as well. So we've got him properly, but... I do think there's a weakness there in terms of injuries and maybe that's why other teams hadn't gone for him and that's why we were able to get him from Barcelona. Um, that's why I think Manchester United might have pulled out because of his injury history. But if he can stay out of injuries, we've got we've got in there as well. We've got quality centre-backs with him. Whether Jagielka stays or not, we've got Mason Holgate coming back as well. And um, we've got cover, but I, I, I do think we need him, to be honest. Obviously, with the partnership he's, he's formed with Michael Keane this year, it should be our, our main priority, to be honest. I would agree on that one. Definitely. First first pen and paper, contract, transfer fee done and paid, Kurt Zuma. First on the first on the list. First on the list. As I say, Friday, it could be like an emotional night. It could be a, an interesting night because we've got Zuma making his last Everton appearance of his loan spell at Goodison Park. Gomez, who would be if he if he wasn't suspended. And we will come to him and just a guy in a moment. But I didn't have this on the agenda, but I should. Because obviously in these next couple of days, we may find out whether... The club are going to offer new deals to to Baines and Jackie Elka. Uh, first and foremost, to both yet, 
do you think they both deserve new deals? Would you give them new deals? And, it, and if they don't and they come out saying no at the end of the season that, that they're going to be leaving the club, is it right to do it before this Burnley game so they get the send-off? You know, I think they definitely deserve. Definitely deserve to to know before this game, really, so we can all give them the send-off they deserve. But I don't think that'll be the case, to be honest. I think there's been talk of a one-year extension for Leighton Baines this week. And I believe that, to be honest. I think um, Marco Silva said in his press conference before the last game that uh, he knows what's going to happen. Um, and I do think that will be a one-year extension. Uh, so I think Baines will be staying on, so we won't, we won't have to worry about saying goodbye to him. But um, everyone's been saying Baines and Jagielka together, obviously, because the, the deals are running out together. But I do think they're two different cases, to be honest. I think Baines is still a class player, but Jagielka's a little bit behind that. Um, obviously, he played well in the Arsenal game, got the goal. But then against Fulham, he was a little bit bullied by Alexandra Mitrovic and he's a little bit more of a liability than Baines might be. You know, Baines give away a penalty as well this season. So they're obviously both getting on, but they're incredible servants to the club and they can't be treated like Osman and Hibbert did at the end of their contracts. Obviously, they, we should treat them as, a, as as Everton legends at the moment because we can't just let them go like that. But um, there's an argument for Ardy blocking the, the the progress of younger players as well, the likes of Anthony Robinson. Could he come back in and cover, cover Luca Dean instead? But um, no, I do think Leighton Baines is warranted in his performances this season for us when he stepped in. He's warranted a new deal. And to be honest, probably Jagiel can maybe for a new year, uh, one, one year extension as well, just for his uh, just for what he's done for the club. And to be honest, he's, he's still solid. He's lost a bit of pace, but he's still he's still quite solid. So uh, yeah, I'd, I'd extend them both by a year, to be honest. Yeah, Leighton Baines, I've read the same thing. I think he will be offered... The Jagielka one could be based on whether or what's happening with Chelsea and whether or not we could get Zuma. Obviously, if we don't, they might decide, yes, we'll give you another year because we can't have Zuma now. Uh, that could be part of it as to why that's not come out. Um, Jagielka, for his leadership as well, his character in the dressing room, I think, you know, would definitely warrant at least, you know, one more year. Give him one more year. Good send-off. Um, same with Baines. Excellent servants. And, and it was disappointing. I, I thought what happened with both Osman and Hibbert, and I wouldn't Agreed, like to yeah. see it go go the same route. And then, you know, you got players in there being long long standing servants, thinking, "I go and finish my career somewhere else." You don't really get looked after here at Everton and that and stuff. You, other people would have seen that, and we don't want to come across. That's not the type of club that we are. No, it's, it was like a rare misstep because I, I constantly say this at like the Everton game or when you go to you get you know Finch Farm the events they have on on there and things like that we do things off the field so right as a club don't we and we're trying to get better on the field I did think that Leon Osman told me here it was just a, a rare misstep as I say because I know there's people who kind of like take the mick out of Tony Hibbert because he never scored but he, you don't play 400 odd games when he played for Everton without being a good player and Leon Osman was a big part of a very good team wasn't it so I, I, told, I don't know about you guys like if if it means Baines or it looks maybe more likely Jagielka are not getting a deal they need to know don't they so on Friday night we can all say well done Thanks to very the much. Yeah. yeah, it's important that isn't it uh, yeah definitely definitely for the fans as well yeah because you, you, you want to show that don't you you do The View from the Gladys Street podcast from the Liverpool Echo the View from the Gladys Street podcast from the Liverpool Echo. As I mentioned a moment ago, two other players whose futures are yet to be decided. Andre Gomez, because we all know he's on loan from Barcelona. He'll probably be at Goodison, hopefully be on the lap of honour after the pitch, because I'm sure everyone will want to uh, give him a chin and address a guy. Firstly, let's start with Gomez. Uh, anything changed? You know, he had a t- t- time out of the team and he came back and then against Arsenal, particularly if it was magnificent. Is he still, like Zuma, someone we need to, to get done, Tom? Yeah. 
Yeah, I think um, it's an interesting one with whether which is the priority because I would probably go with Zuma. Um, but as good as Gomez has been this season, I've, I think we do have to keep him as well. He's, he's enjoying his football here again when he wasn't at Barcelona. I think he wants to stay himself. Um, I'm not sure how much it'll cost because Barcelona did play quite a bit, uh, pay quite a bit for him. I think it was close to 40 million or something like that. There's been different figures quoted for what we'll pay for him. Um, but I do think he's warranted that to be fair this season. It's been it's been an interesting one. Um, there was a good piece uh, for the Echo by David Hughes where he did um, the stats of Gomez and how influential has he actually been. And in terms of those stats, it doesn't seem like he's been that influential. But I think he's he's building himself as a footballer again because he was completely knocked down to nothing at Barcelona, and he's starting to build himself as a footballer again. And Everton fans have have, uh, have really got on board with that and just just uh, started to love him, to be honest. And I do think he's been a key part of our build-up play. Um, if he's not got the goals and assists, then um, he he really has a play play the part in that. He can he can spray a forty-yard pass easily, and he's he's uh, he's got the shield and the, the ball with his body and he's good defensively as well. So I'd, I'd keep all of them definitely, to be honest. Um, Andre Gomez is definitely a priority for me. Zuma and Gomez both on the top of our transfer list for me. I would definitely say exactly the same. When we said before priority, yeah, <coughs> Zuma the priority. But then 10 minutes later, I won't go most of them sorted. <laughs> you, you know, um, he has been very influential this season. Um, the, my, my worry is Tottenham are sniffing around him. Yeah. I've heard Tottenham are sniffing around him and there's Champions League football on offer, offer on there. The transfer fee could be an issue with Gomez. Um, that could be a, a possible broken point for us. And the other thing is, what teams in the Champions League coming for him and that and c- c- can offer him more than what Everton can offer him at the moment. Um, but yeah, 10 minutes later, after Zuma, Gomez in the door for me, please. I'll pick up on point points you both made there because start with yours, right, about Tottenham. I watched him against Arsenal, Gomez. And you know who he reminds me of? And, to- and the other point I was going to pick up on is Tom, like to talk about what David's stats there because if you look at Gomez's stats, he's not particularly king of assists you know he's, he's not I think he's got one goal hasn't he so far this yeah. season so on paper you'd think oh, what does he do but you know against Arsenal you know you remind me of Dembele of Tottenham yeah. you know because I'm pretty sure if you look back over Dembele's stats over the years he wasn't at, either, at the top of either of those lists but he was an absolute brute in midfield he could be physical and he could play and that's why it just annoyed me so much when he got sent off against uh, you know Fulham yeah. because, well no he didn't get sent off then he retrospectively got his free match ban because he looked like he was back to his best but do you agree with Ant there you know like a Tottenham could be looking at him but equally as you said mate he, he was in a pretty low state wasn't he after Barcelona he's admitted it himself he did a very honest interview didn't he he's built himself back up as a player over here that surely means something, doesn't it? If you're happy over maybe going play for a club who are at this stage more in advance than Everton. Yeah, definitely. I think he's made it clear that he wants to stay himself. But um, I think, as, as we've said, Tottenham are sniffing around them because he would be perfect for them to the type of hold them midfield role they play. Um, but I think there's a lot we can learn from Tottenham. Um, we're quite similar as a club in terms of ambitions. So maybe we can take a little bit from that system as well. We're playing a similar formation to they have in the past. So maybe we can... Um, to keep hold of him because I know they want him as well because he, he will fit in perfectly to their system but he is fitting into our system as well so um, we've got the advantage to be honest because obviously he knows the club he wants to stay here so I think uh, advantage Everton over Tottenham at the moment and um, in terms of the stats though he's not had a massive contribution in terms of goals and assists but um, it, it's it's ev- obvious to see uh, the fans wouldn't um, want to sign him if he wasn't doing well and it's clear that he is doing well and he's a, he's, a, he's a quality footballer whether he's getting goals and assists or not and he's contributing quite a lot he's covering him um, I like the way he drops back sometimes um, to cover his fullbacks allowing the fullbacks to get out more often um, like 
Coleman has in recent in recent weeks and Dean has as well. Um, he, he drops back and he covers those and that goes unnoticed sometimes. But some of the work he does do, does go unnoticed. But his um his, his overall contribution has to be has to be rewarded with a deal. Fingers crossed, if Mr. Machiri's listening to this podcast. I don't know if he does, but if you are, get your checkbook out for him and <laughs> get your checkbook out for Zuma and a striker. <laughs> but he has got his checkbook out, it seems, to give uh, Tom Davis a new and improved contract. Pleased with that, mate? Tom Davis, yeah. Um, still at the moment, only potential, but still very young boy. Um, another one that all Evertonians want to see succeed. Um, <clears throat> the what he did against City in that game you know it'll give him legendary status forever I think and we'd like to see much more of that in an Everton jersey we probably haven't seen the best of him this season but I think he's been in the team more when the team hasn't been in his best Um, so whether he gets any more time on the pitch in the last two games of the season I don't know but obviously looking forward to next season hopefully he'll play more of a key role hopefully his developments come on even though he spent quite a bit of it watching from the sidelines um, but I, I'm pleased that he's going to be at the club long term and, and he's getting an improved deal hopefully we'll, we'll see a lot more of him next season in a much improved Everton in a much improved Everton team building on how we finish this season Tom, I've been on podcasts before and you've made some really good points about Tom Davis and it kind of comes back to what you were saying then about the high press and you've long been like an advocate of you think he's one of our best presses, don't you? Do you think that's why Silva said, let's keep this lad, let's build it, you know, let's build him into our plans? Yeah, definitely. He just runs at you, doesn't he? And he's a young player and he's full of energy and he's quite been quite good off the bench this season in terms of coming on and just intimidating the, uh, the defence and the opposition, getting the ball off them and just harrying them like mad. Um, but I do think his role's changed this year. Um, even at the start of the season, it's changed since then because he was played with Gay sometimes because we obviously have two, um, we have two different central midfield roles at Everton at the moment. And those two, there was two seen to be the sitting, the sitting role and then the more advanced role in the number ten position. And I think. Tom Davis has become more of a number 10 this season and I think he's he's pretty much the backup for Gilfie Sigerson at the moment. That seems to be the role he's coming off the bench to play. I don't think he's a sitting midfielder because you can't sit. He's, a, he's full of energy. He's a ball of energy. You can't play a sitting midfield role. So I think that's why he's justified his role as a number 10. We were talking at the start of the season about the lack of backup for a number 10 for Gilfie Sigerson. Um, but I do think that's what that Tom Davis has become and that's why he's been offered the new contract because that's the role that Silver sees him in in the future, I think. Yeah, Silver's definitely moulded him, I think, from the the, the games, the performances that it the, that he has, and he's come on for the, the harrying of the defence. You know, he is a nuisance. Basically, Silver's going, go on, be a nuisance. You stop them coming forward by being a nuisance up there. Um, number ten for the future, hopefully so. Hopefully so. Um, sometimes I think when he's been further back he's made the odd couple of mistakes as well so sometimes like Barkley was a little yeah. bit the same wasn't he and how he developed Barkley into he, a number he never 10. hides does he on the ball Tom like he always sighs and plays a pass and if you make that pass deeper you you could be in you're trouble risking. whereas yeah. if you're doing the final third you're braver aren't you yeah yeah. and if it comes off in the final third it can be a goal if it doesn't come off in your own third can be a goal conceded and the crowd will be on your back won't they exactly it is it can be a tough crowd but at the moment it's a, a brilliant crowd everyone's really made up the atmosphere is superb and on, on Friday we're, we're back there at Goodison against uh, Burnley just to Tom you mentioned Tom Davis there would you give him a go on Friday would you mix things up or are we still thinking there's a chance of Europe we've got to go strong again 
I think we'd stick with, stick with the lineup at the moment, to be honest. I wouldn't mix it up too much. Um, I think we have still got a chance if we play like that. We'd be talking about it differently if, if that, even if that toss on goal would have gone in against uh, Crystal Palace. We'd be talking about a side who's been winning the last few games and he's gone on a mad unbeaten run and we can't change a team like that. Um, it was just unfortunate we didn't put it in the back of the net. Um, and maybe that's due to the shortcomings of some of the, play, some of the forward players, but... Um, I don't think it's time to switch it about too much. I think uh, don't change it if it's if it's not broken. And um, although Davis will get a chance, obviously with the new contract, I think that shows he'll get a chance in the future. But I wouldn't chuck him in from the start uh, on Friday night. Now you look at this game; it's a must win it's to finish seventh, uh, and then Tottenham after that. Unless there's a real freak set of results, and I think Wolves will have to lose both of their games, and, and Leicester obviously would now. It's going to take six points. It's the difference this season on the Marco Silva that we're now going to a Tottenham. I'm thinking, you know, we can actually match these or we can have a go at least. I would definitely say so because, you know, he's the one who's broke the, was it 22 games we went without beating a top six team? So he's the one that's broke that and he didn't just break it with one, he followed it up straight afterwards with, we've got Arsenal, Chelsea uh, and Manchester United. So he's done three on the bounce. I would definitely say... I fancy us against Tottenham. Obviously, they've got the distractions now with the, the, the Champions League semi-final against Ajax. You've seen that with the result that they got at the weekend there, Tottenham. Um, depending on how the results go in the two legs over against Ajax. They're either flat or they've got a bigger thing on their mind, haven't exactly. they? Yeah. So, yeah, they're there for the taking for myself. Wolves games aren't the easiest. They're at home to Fulham. Yeah, and Fulham are in good form yeah. and, you know, Scotty Parker's doing a really good job there. I fancy Fulham to get at least a point. And then, obviously, they play Liverpool, don't they? Last game, and, you know, Liverpool's still going to be fighting for the league. I can't see Wolves getting anything out of that. Maybe a point, but nothing more than a point. So, it gives us a chance. We've got the superior goal difference, so you could overtake them. Leicester, they've got City. Um, and then Arsenal. And then Arsenal, Arsenal last day. So, we, we've got every chance. It's There's still a possibility, so I agree with Tom. It's not broke, so don't fix it at the moment. Keep the strongest team out there. Let's go for the six points. If we get seventh, brilliant. Pat on the back to Marco Silva. You know, for getting us there. Bit of good fortune towards the end of the season. Results-wise, we've gone our way. But go all out for it now. Marco Silva has said many times this season he wants to improve on what Everton did last season. That's You have to finish seventh to do that. And there's a chance we won't. There's a chance we finish eighth. Could be ninth. Could be tenth. And no doubt Sam Allardyce will be on Talk Sport the Monday morning after that game against uh, <laughs> Tottenham. Only you can you can just see it now. But well, he's been appointed international manager. Yeah, I know. But of India, supposedly yes, getting linked yeah, with now, isn't he? Is. Wow, how the mighty have fallen. <laughs> but and he will, and there will be people out there, Tom, who'll go. Well, you know, Silver, he's not done as well as Allardyce last season. And to be fair to, to Allardyce, I'm, I'm trying to be to be fair to him. Uh, <laughs> he did have a, he did come into a club that was in a bit of chaos. Relegations, don't make me. Everyone listening to this podcast will be Evertonians. If you weren't, say I don't know, another fan of a club was ended up listening to it. Tell them the difference between last season and this season, Silver and Allardyce. Um, it's hard to sum it up because it's it's a massive difference altogether. Playing style obviously is the main one. Um, it was ugly. It, it was. It was terrible. It was uh, even the players from that season. Like Vlasic has come out and said it wasn't even football that we played. Uh, it was getting results, but it was just bringing it back to absolute basics. Terrible football. Ten men behind the ball. Not even. It was. It, you didn't even want to go and watch it. You, like it, it, it was that kind of thing. You, you weren't even looking forward to going to Goodison to watch a football match. But now this season we're beating top six sides. It's, it's a high press. It's, it's it's completely different. It's much more entertaining and it's, it's starting to bring results now as well. Um, obviously, I think if if it were 
Marco Silva from the start of the season, maybe if he had a little bit more time before that, we would have been getting results and we would have done better than Allardyce uh, did. But obviously that was purely results-based and um, he's just a firefighter, Sam Allardyce. He was only put there as a stopgap to stop us from getting relegated because we knew the stadium would fall through if we didn't, um, if, if we got relegated. So now we're actually getting what we want and um, the whole feeling around the club is completely transformed. At one point, I was worried he was going to try and get Kevin Davis out of retirement in January <laughs> to go over top of the type of style of football we were going to go heading towards. It was um, not what Evertonians are used to, and not what Ever- Evertonians should 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 have to witness ever again. Hopefully, um, Marco Silva he's come in different style of football, different way of playing. Um, it's not always worked, and especially from the start. But we are starting to see it now working. Um, we've gone over the clean sheets, um, we've gone over the high pressing, um, 64% of possession, that's what everything should be doing. Under Allardyce, I think we were getting like 38% of possession. I think the opposition only had about 38% of the possession and the the, uh, <laughs> the stands had the other 20% that was hanging yeah. about in there or something maybe. <laughs> it wasn't good. It wasn't. You know, so just before we wrap up, We'll no doubt speak to you lads again over the summer when we're doing these podcasts, but we might not speak to you be, be, until after the uh, the Tottenham game now. Whatever happens in these two, would you view the season, if not a success, would you view it as one that you think, you know what, there's hope here? Something to build on, definitely, isn't it? Obviously, the finish to the season is something to build on, but I'd remember it as a season of the derby being the changing point, the turning point. Um, that's what I'd remember it as anyway. I think after the first derby went on a massive downfall, after the second derby went on a massive upturn in form. Um, so that's how I'd remember it. But definitely going into next season, there's loads of positives to build on. And I think the, it, it's come at exactly the right time. We need the transfer window to build on what we're making at the moment. But what we are making at the moment is exciting and I can't wait to see how it progresses next year, to be honest. The, the, the words you just said there, Tom, progress. That's what I'd say. Ended the season progressively, progressively well. Um, you, you, you've hit the nail on the head. We spoke about we spoke about it in the last podcast I was on. It has been a tale of two derbies. The first one we suffered the biggest hangover probably of any football teams had. You would have thought we were on the Jack Daniels for about three months. <laughs> you know what I mean? Constantly, like it. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it was that kind of way. Confidence was drained. Everything was taken out of it. Positive results, you know, with the with, with the draw in the second derby. And from there, we don't seem to have looked back. Beat, beat, beat Arsenal, beat Chelsea, beat United, and we beat them comfortably. We beat them comfortably, and the the, the fans are going to to Friday night at Burnley in good spirits and a good send off. And as I say, what, what what you said, progress definitely is the word of our season. And long may it continue with a good summer in the transfer market, um, and displays right from the way go. Well said, so we'll just wrap up on our usual predictions. Burnley, home, Friday night, last game at Goodison for the season. What are we predicting? Ten, man, ten men behind the ball from Burnley. <laughs> oh, yeah. Deitch is, like, Deitch is a bit of a, like an Allardyce, isn't he? Don't think yeah. he's quite as bad, but he's uh, <laughs> not pretty, is he? He's getting that way. I think they brought it back to basics earlier, um, well, midway through the season. They realised he couldn't play like a normal side because he'd just get relegated. So they brought it back to ten men behind the ball like they used to play. So I think it will be hard to break them down, but I'm hoping we get a 1-0 win. Yeah, I completely agree. We were having a look at the results from April, weren't we, Tom, before we were talking about, yeah, they beat the likes of Cardiff and everything, but, you know, they got a draw away at Chelsea. They only got beat 1-0 by City, so they're going to be a tough team to break down. Uh, however, I'm going to go for positive 2-0 win. 
I'll go one better. 3-0, early goal. Get Burnley to come out and then uh, we can hit them. Here's <laughs> <laughs> open. Uh, thank you very much for listening. We'll be back on Tuesday with the Royal Blue podcast. Uh, and thanks to Tom Clark and Anthony McCann for coming in. Really thank enjoyed you. listening to you, lads. You've been listening to The View from the Gladys Street podcast from the Liverpool Echo.